Arkansas and Kansas. Oh, yeah. I seen those guys, oh, my gosh, a long time ago um, back in New York. And they played with, if I'm not mistaken, Foreigner. Those were the early days of their playing in the arenas and stuff like that. And it was, from what I understand, Kansas's seventh birthday or something. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but they came out with a cake and everything, and I honestly thought we were all going to get a piece of cake, but that didn't happen. Anyways, welcome to the show. It's Hump Day Wednesday. It is Let's Talk, name of the show. My name is Mike. If you want to email me, my email address is letstalkmike1 at gmail.com. Let's talk M-I-K-E, the number one, at gmail.com. Now, remember something. These songs aren't, I have Christian songs I'll play from time to time, but, you know, some of these songs are quote-unquote secular songs. But again, let me remind you that um, they have meaning. They have words that you should listen to and pay attention to, and, well, they fit the narrative. So there you go. Went grocery shopping yesterday. Well, first, let's say our prayer, get our scripture, and then I'll tell you a story about grocery shopping. More like a nightmare. Anyways, Father, I pray to you that at this time, Lord, I pray you forgive me. Forgive us our sins, Father, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's from the Lord's Prayer when he was asked, teach us, Lord, how to pray. And I pray, Father, that at this time, thy mercy, thy grace, thy love, thy forgiveness, but thy words and thy truth and your understanding, Lord, be in my heart, my tongue, and my mind, so that this show, this day, O Lord, can reach those who have yet to come to repentance. And today would be the day of their rebirth, new birth, born again, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. The name of the podcast is, I don't belong or fit in. I'll get to that in a minute. Let's do our scripture. 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, while according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, <laughs> the resurrection is what it's all about. Otherwise, Jesus would have been, you know, just another prophet, which a lot of people look at him as such. I know the Muslims do, and so many others. They, you know, categorize him with, like, say, Buddha or Muhammad, whatever. They, they don't see him as the only begotten son of our father, and that's the sadness of it. Because it says here, according to his abundant mercy, he's begotten us again, born again. John 3, 16. And that is our lively hope. And I just thank you, Father God, for that. So back to the grocery store. <laughs> you know, the cost of everything's going up. I get a kick out of everybody, you know, I mean, the cost of things and so forth. But one thing in particular, the cost of eggs is uh has gone up considerably and they're they're saying it's going to go up even more. So, you know, what is it? 6 6 dollars or more for a dozen eggs. Complain about that, but don't complain about Starbucks charging an arm and a leg just for one of their quote-unquote fancy coffees. Or how about yesterday I'm watching football and I'm thinking, "Well, look at this. 
how many thousands of dollars they pay to be able to sit there and watch this game of football, which I'm not saying anything against that, but I'm just saying, you know, if these guys didn't make a bazillion dollars a year, you wouldn't be paying those kinds of prices. No, I digress. Back to the grocery store. So I go to Walmart's to get eggs. <laughs> and my wife comes out of there with a shopping cart full of food. We needed it, you know, go grocery shopping. My grocery bill. Now, this is just this pretty much the same stuff we buy mostly on a regular basis. You know, she's a excellent cook. She knows how to diversify in the kitchen. So, you know, last last time it was one thing, this time it's another, but with the same ingredients. So that being said, $50 more than it cost me the last time. All right. So probably, I guess you could say last year. <laughs> All right. So $50 more. And she comes out and every single bag is double and triple bagged. So she says to me, the woman did that because she said starting in April, Walmart's is going to start charging 10 cents a bag. You get that? 10 cents per bag. So you better start saving your bags and getting, you know, double bag and whatever as often as you can and save them from every other place you go to also. I guess they're not making enough in their corporate profits, but that's that's to be said, really. Think about it. They're probably not making as much as they used to because the economy stinks. Stinks. They're just driving us farther and farther into the ground with no no cause, no no reason except for their own greed and evil. I don't want to get too much into that because I'll start crying. But seriously, you know, I mean, I, I, I thank you, Lord. I, I give the Lord thanks, you know, all the time for the prosperity. I call it prosperity, but, you know, the ability to pay our bills and have money left over, so forth and so on. But, I mean, $303 yesterday. I was going out to breakfast with my mom this Friday. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if we're going to do that either. A couple of eggs, a couple of pieces of toast, and some orange juice or something. You're talking $16. Anyways. So I give you this story to talk about something related to it. But I want you to pay attention to the words that are used to describe the situation. So John Kerry, who's a bonesman, if you don't remember when Kerry was running for president against uh, George Bush Jr. there, the issue came up that him and Bush both, I don't know if they went through at the same time or not, but they were both tapped um, while they were at um, Yale University in Connecticut there for uh, to become a member of the Skull and Bones Secret Society. And Kerry's a member of that. And so is Bush. Anyways, so he's um, Joe Biden's climate envoy. And this is what he said about people attending this meeting in Switzerland, the World Economic Forum. He says, an extraterrestrial force brought people together in Davos, Davos to save the planet. Now that's that's bizarre because in the in because 
he could have said, you know, supernatural or any kind of force. He said extraterrestrial. And this is what he told the attendees um, on Tuesday, that they were also a part of a, quote, select group of human beings brought together by an extraterrestrial force. So again, that extraterrestrial thing. Now, I bring that up to say this. Many years ago, many years ago, geez, I'm old. Many years ago, when I delved into learning and researching and busying myself with the truths behind certain things, one of the things I learned, and it, it kept coming up in more than just one area, so, but one of the things I learned was that, <clears throat> interestingly enough, the extraterrestrials, quote-unquote, are very much behind this climate change thing and so forth and so on. Um it's their belief, the extraterrestrials, that if we don't do something to save our Earth, it's just going to get destroyed, I guess, or whatever. But the point is, the extraterrestrials have actually been driving this agenda from behind the scenes. But, you know, again, now here's John Kerry, right? So he's the guy up front. Looks like I've said before in other shows, they're the people you see up front, but the driving force behind them are part of the unseen realm. Um, and so here we have John Kerry outright says it. The You know, the thing is, that's not a, a flip of the tongue or just like a, a Freudian slip, I guess you could say. This is intentional. This is intentional, okay, that he used that term, extraterrestrial. And keep that in mind. I guess we can move on to the show. I don't know. You want to get going? How about the cosmic conflict? Now, I actually, well, okay, we'll just, okay, <laughs> the cosmic conflict. So, again, I've said so many times before that our fight is not against any physical enemy. Just like what John Kerry said there. It's an extraterrestrial thing, and that's what it is. Part amongst other things, it's against organizations and powers that are spiritual, right? So, again, John Kerry or Nancy Pelosi, whoever it might be, they're the people up front, but behind the scenes, that's that's where we're you know what we're getting at here, all right? And we're up against this unseen power, and it controls a very dark an evil spiritual world, and they're the agents of this, okay? They come from the very headquarters of evil. And they've been here, and they've been doing this since, well, God created. So it's nothing new, but the fight is becoming more and more apparent. Well, it is if you're looking, and if you're spiritually inclined with the Holy Spirit, not like any other kind of spiritually inclined, then you'll see it. And you'll know it when you see it. And when I talk about a dark, you know, controls this dark world, I mean, I'm telling you, this is so dark and so deep that the breadth and width of it is almost incomprehensible. Now, the surprising thing is, if you find this surprising, if not, then you're paying attention. 
But most people who attend church and those who pastor a church, they have little to no knowledge about this evil or anything about it. And they're not even aware of a war going on. And that's interesting because especially as a pastor, Paul talks about, you know, we fight against powers and principalities and high places and so forth. All these kinds of things in scripture that point over and over again. And yet they don't even recognize it or um, preach about it, let alone recognize it. And the sad part is, it's going on right inside their churches, not just in the world. Evil has infiltrated the church. You know, the, the best way or the most proficient way to defeat your enemy is to get inside. That's exactly what Satan's done. That's exactly what he's been out to do since, since the word go. You know, there's a reason God says we're supposed to be the salt and light. It's in order to resist this evil, to take our thoughts captive as it's written, to renew our minds as it's written, to die to our flesh, to not be ignorant. These are all the different ways and devices that Satan and his minions use. This is all scriptural. It's also scriptural that we're to love the truth and be on the alert. Don't get caught unawares. All right? Jesus says in John 14, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while. And the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live. Ye shall also. All right? Goes on to say that at that day we shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. So Jesus is telling us that through the Holy Spirit, through our born-again experience, I guess you could say, we are not alone. We are not left out here in, like in the wilderness with no means of, of, of getting through it. All right? See, you see, when we do none of the things the Word says that we're supposed to do, well, that makes us pretty much automatically part of the kingdom of Satan and not the kingdom of God. I hate to tell you that. Man, I don't hate to tell you, but I, I kind of, you know, I got I to gotta let you know that that's how it works. I mean, you might think you're part of the kingdom of God, but if you're part of the kingdom of God, then you're doing things of the kingdom of God. All right? And quite simply, if you're not doing the things of the kingdom of God, then guess what? You're not part of that kingdom. You know, it's just like anything. If you're part of a country or part of a group, an organization, if you're doing what that organization says or wants you to do, then you're a part of it, right? But if you're not, then you're not a part of it. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. But this is the deception that we have today. People think they're in the kingdom of God but their religious deeds say otherwise. And, you know, there's plenty of men out there, people, you know, millions if not billions of them that have been fooled and duped by that. But I'm here to tell you, you can't fool God. Matthew seven twenty, it says this, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Jesus said that. Fruits are their deeds or their lifestyle, the things they say and do. All right? 
this is a time when we're living that the personality of Satan himself is questioned by some people. Can you believe it? I mean, look at all the evil all, all across the board. You could, I could go down and it would just be a list would be the whole show. But they don't believe Satan. They don't believe that. Despite the evidences of the, you know, of his influence in every which way you can turn. And I find it just real strange that especially people in the church doubt the reality of the enemy. But is it really strange? Has he not succeeded in blinding the minds of many that they should neither recognize him nor turn from him? to the marvelous light of the gospel. That's his job. That's what he's out to do. And guess what? He's doing a fine job. Doing a fine job. Now, again, I remind you, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and those who belong to it, who promote the ways of God. And the kingdom of Satan, that, of course, promotes the ways of Satan. This is the war. These, these are the battle lines. Let's look at John 18. John 18. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now my kingdom is not from hence. This is where I get the part I don't belong or fit in. You know, when you were growing up, maybe this didn't happen to you, but, you know, in life, let's just say it that way, in life, in general, you know, nothing specific, but just whatever the circumstances may have been at the time, we find ourselves feeling like we don't belong for whatever reason, or we don't fit in, again, for whatever reason. As a Christian, as a true follower of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves like that in this world. We don't feel like we belong or that we fit in. And that's, you know what, believe it or not, that's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my servants would fight. You see? So this feeling like you don't belong or you don't fit in as a Christian... Okay, good. <laughs> in this case, it's a good thing. All right? If you don't fit in or you don't, you don't feel like you belong in the, in the Christian world, well, I'd look at either where you're getting your Christian teaching from and how accurate that is, or just your own life, what you're doing. You know, are you following the Word of God or are you going, you know, I mean, there's a lot of these preachers and pastors and every fly-by-night that comes along, they write a book, they're experts, quote-unquote, at what they do and say, but how much of the Bible are you really reading? And I'm not saying those other books and things aren't okay to read, but the point is the Bible should be your absolute foundation. If none of those books existed, the Bible, you see? And the thing is, our culture, our churches, our government, the very legal system, our public schools, and then on into the universities, and then, of course, the media, and way too many of our pastors teach and practice the ways 
of really it comes down to like the mystery mystery religions. Believe it or not, yoga is very steeped in mystery religions. Buddhism, meditation are very steeped in mystery religions. But also evolution, the Big Bang Theory, these are all part of these mystery religions. But interesting, it's not really a mystery at all. They're deceptions used by Satan to lead you away from the Lord God. The big thing when um, Israel was in Babylon in captivity, all right, the mystery religion was all around them. But you see, the thing is, how are we, or you can ask yourself, how are we, you know, practicing this? Well, when the followers promote such things as, again, evolution or moral relativism, you got sexual perversion, of course, you got lies, and then the deception in our schools and our culture, and then you have those that say they follow God, but they remain silent. And they allow the lies to stand. I got to tell you something. You may not like this, but you're guilty of disobedience to God. And you're tolerating and promoting the ways of Satan, not God. And when you remain silent, you're saying pretty much, well, it's okay with me to each his own, as long as they're not hurting anybody. You know, you've probably heard that a million times over. I mean, I have friends and family alike that, you know, when there's a dividing line right down the middle. No no questions asked. I'm not going to tolerate these uh, lies and these untruths, alternate lifestyles, all, you know, whatever you want to call it. No, not even, no, 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 no. No, no, no. And again, should we concern ourselves that this seems to be intensifying at this time? Well, I mean, it's to be expected. It's to be expected. You know, I, I think he may not have a clear understanding of the actual end time. In other words, okay, that's it, all over. But he knows time's short. And he's going to increase his efforts. No doubt about that. In Revelations 12, it tells us, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Now see, interesting, when some of the demons that Jesus exercised um, when he was here on earth, they actually asked him about that. Is this the time, you know, or is this it? So they don't have a clear indication, but they know it. They have an idea, if you want to put it that way. All right? But either way, great wrath. So it's everything or nothing in his book, which is the way it should be for us as Christians. Everything or nothing. You know, you could use a scriptural phrase, wisdom is crying in the streets of America. But there's so few that want to dig deep enough into the truths of God and connect the dots of what's going on in our culture. 
quite honestly, we must embrace the truth of God and fight against the errors of these mystery religions and whatever, you know, the tentacles of thereof. When Here's a point. When Moses led the children out of Egypt, after hundreds of years of paganism, God gave them the Torah, which is the law, so that they would know how to act before God and separate the clean from the unclean. So remember I've said in other shows, it, the law and the rituals thereof that they had been given by God at Mount Sinai through Moses wasn't going to save them. It only, like Paul says, it showed them their guilt. <clears throat> we can't dismiss the Torah. We have to obey it. Not to be saved, remember, not to be saved, but to learn how to walk with God and please him after we are saved. You see how that works? The Torah is relevant for eternity. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So some of these religions that say the law is not relevant no more and this and that, well, the sacrifice rituals are no longer relevant or needed because Jesus paid that sacrifice, right, once and for all. But it, it's nowhere, in fact, Jesus said just the opposite right here, right? The law is not going anywhere. I don't think in a lot of ways, and especially in the church, which is so sad, we have no idea of how much spiritual trouble we really are in. We are in, <laughs> we're in deep. And the reason, you know, probably in Matthew 13, Jesus tells us that tares have been sown in with the good wheat. Well, that be the case, our churches are full of tares. And you can tell them. Well, I guess if you're looking and paying attention. But, you know, they they look like Christians. But they're really following the Luciferian ways of Satan. And they don't want any truth preached to them. Oh, no, 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 don't, no, 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 don't talk about sin. Don't talk about the need for repentance. Don't talk about damnation and hellfire. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. They don't see a need to repent. Probably most likely or apparently so. They don't love the laws of God, but they, they just dismiss them. Irrelevant. That was then, this is now. In Proverbs 5, 12 through 14, it says this. Now listen, how I hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. See this here? Verge of total ruin, where? Not out in the wilderness, not out by himself, in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Right there, in the midst of it all. Because there was no obedience. Their heart wasn't in it. You know, all these things I've talked about before. And sadly, over and again, 
uh, you know, billions of churchgoers suffer today because they hate the instruction and correction. And I say billions because if it was the other way around, then we wouldn't be where we are today. The billions that truly, truly listen and obey to the word of God wouldn't allow these things to happen like they are today. So we got to debunk the great lie. All right? We got to get rid of it. There can't be any deception involved. There can't be any, you know, lukewarmness. All right? You don't just listen to the sermon and go home. It's supposed to be put into practice. Why do you think God took the time to to speak to the prophets? Why do you think they took the time to write it down? Why do you think they took the time to be able to put it into a, a concise, you know, manual? Because it's our responsibility to live that life, not the way we want it, the way God wants it. Because any other, any anything else is an outright lie from the pits of hell. And quite honestly, over and over again in Scripture, in every which way possible, the Lord tells us that that lifestyle is going to land us in hell. So we have a time, right? We have a time here on earth. And once we become born again, this is our time of preparation. Okay, kind of like being in the wilderness like Israel was. But see, there was a whole lot of them when they were in the wilderness, even after they saw all the great signs and wonders by God, they refused it. They didn't want any part of it. They moaned and groaned and complained so much of the time. Wish we had been back in Egypt. Wish we had stayed. At least we had this, that, and whatever else. You see? But because of that kind of grumbling, they ended up with a life of turmoil and temptation and frustration, and they didn't mature in the Lord at all. And those who don't learn the lessons of the wilderness experience, they're going to suffer the same fate as those who came out of Egypt. Problem was, because of their moaning and groaning and their lack of, of, of of following the law, they didn't enter into the promise of God and they died in the wilderness. They didn't come into God's rest. They never made it into the promised land. You see, God has so much for his people, but we got to go through the process. You know, just like with anything, right? You want to become a a doctor, a lawyer, whatever you want to become, or, you know, flipping burgers at McDonald's. You got to learn how to do it, right? And how how well you learn and how good you, you know, practice it and do it determines your place, right? So it's the same thing. There's a process. You got to learn obedience. We got to learn how to meet the conditions of his promises so we can receive them. Anybody that told you it wasn't going to be easy, that was the first lie. It's not easy all the time. No, sir, not at all. Anybody who's worth their salt as a Christian will tell you it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. You know, I think boot camp in the Marine Corps was hard and everything, and it was, you know. 
But this is something different. This is something way different. And again, listen now, pay attention. Listen to me. It's not the responsibility of the pastor to mature you. All right? In fact, there's nothing that makes that individual any more qualified than you. Believe me when I tell you, bend down that road. (laughs) Bend down that road. Everybody and anybody who becomes a child of God, born-again believer, has the same chances or the same qualities, the same characteristics as a pastor. it's, It's a piece of paper. Their sermons don't mature you. What matures you and causes you to grow in Christ is studying and meditating on the Word of God and doing what you've learned. And I'll tell you, quite honestly, the moment you truly commit to study and mature in Christ, it's going to happen. But the other thing, too, is the war is on. You see, you never really had to worry about sin. You never really had to deal with sin. You never really had those issues because why? Well, because you weren't a Christian, and Satan didn't really worry about you. But now you became a Christian. Now you're, you're the enemy. And the thing is, if you don't fight for your time of preparation in your wilderness experience, you're not going to mature in Christ ever. Satan will steal your time every chance he gets, whether it's through social media, sports, uh, I don't know, family, friends, work, reading, you know, other things other than the Bible. Like I said, that's not necessarily always a bad thing. But how much of your time are you doing that as compared to your Bible? And, I mean, I'm talking about more than just, like, you know, learning a verse or so. I mean, that that's a good thing, but, you know, there's a lot more to it than just those couple, two, three verses you learn today. This is why we're being destroyed. Because we lack knowledge from the Word of God and we don't know which way to go or how to go because we don't know it. Don't know the ways of God that we learn from the Word of God, and then we have, to, and then we wonder why we can't make any headway in our walk with God. Well, if you don't read the Word, then you're not going to know the Word. And these elites, these occultists, these elite occultists, they're stealing your rights and freedoms. And what's being done about it? If we don't learn the deception then we're never going to be able to overcome. Now, I want to make a couple of comments, or if I can here, try to put this all together. All right, let's see how I do, huh? (laughs) Okay. So when Israel was in Babylon, they were surrounded by the quote-unquote mystery religion of Babylon. You can study about that and learn about that. But... At a particular instance, in the book of Daniel, we're told in the fifth chapter, and this is the writing that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Aparsid. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, 
God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. So it says many, many, twice. So God numbered it, did it again, yep. Same number, finished it. Here we go. We have leaders in our in the whole world, but let's say just for our country in our country. God's written on the wall for the Western world whose leaders are driving us into godliness. Godlessness. <laughs> Sorry. Godlessness. All the lies and deceptions. God sees it and knows it. He weighs it, considers it, and finishes it. And they're found wanting. We have a new representation in Washington who promises to seek out and expose all the lies and deception that's been going on, that, you know, we know about. I just hope and pray that they don't make it a personal vendetta. I hope and pray that they don't, to the best of their abilities, politicize it. Because here's the thing. Without any doubt, without any hesitation, they're guilty. Their guilt will expose itself. Just allow it to. Don't force it. Don't push it. Don't make it something it's not. Let it speak for itself. And then you'll see the writing on the wall. That's it for today. I don't belong or fit in, and that's a good thing. I hope you remember what I said about that. Once again, I thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope to do another one, another couple days. And in the meantime, may the love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and, and all, all, all blessings be yours through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>